It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. It is a Monday. And actually not bad out there weather-wise. Kind of nice. Windy weekend, but not all that bad this morning where I'm anyway. All right, let me, let me get this out of the way real quick. There were several people on Friday that had, even on Thursday, that had said uh, they were a little confused because of the time change that happened over the weekend. Just so you know, it is 6.07 right now. So they were a little confused over the weekend or as they got closer to the weekend. I thought Wyoming repealed that. And so I wrote a story and put it up on the Wake Up Wyoming website. No, Wyoming did not repeal that. A law was passed or a bill was passed in the law that said if surrounding states who want to do the same thing and the federal government say go for it, Wyoming will go for it like everybody else. That's all it said. We never repealed daylight saving time, switching back and forth on the clocks. All right. This morning, I get to work and there's several people who have sent me messages on my personal Facebook messenger. I'm a little confused, one of them said. I thought Wyoming got rid of this whole daylight saving. Okay. Apparently, there's more people out there than I thought that thought Wyoming got rid of it. No, we didn't. But we're ready to if everybody else does. That's all the, the bill said. That's it. So, yeah, your clock should all be changed right now, right? Okay. Meantime, Republicans in Wyoming expressed their displeasure with our governor. Hang on. Trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Headline Cowboy State Daily Wyoming GOP passed no confidence vote against Governor Gordon. Now, just so you know, a no confidence vote just means they're displeased. It has no bearing on anything. There's no actual punishment here. It just says Wyoming Republicans are not happy with Governor Gordon. All right, so the story says new cancel. Wyoming Republican Party passed a vote of no confidence on Saturday against Governor Mark Gordon for his recent comments at Harvard University that Wyoming is committed to becoming carbon negative. Not carbon neutral, carbon negative, And that the climate is warming. Well, the reason for doing this is when he says Wyoming is committed to becoming garbage. No, Governor Gordon, you are. Okay. You want to become carbon negative. Again, that's a bit beyond carbon neutral. So if Governor Gordon thinks that way, he's entitled to think that way. Wyoming doesn't think that way. Most of Wyoming thinks quite differently on that. 
And he goes back to say, and the, the climate is warming. And so we can get into that whole discussion. But again, Governor, you think that way. Don't say that Wyoming thinks that way. All right. So the motion for no confidence vote, the story says, originated from the Park County Republican Party, which passed it at its county meeting Thursday, says Gordon's boldly turned his back on Wyoming Republicans. A vote of no confidence, it says, isn't a strong censure. Now, even a strong censure, if it was in the Wyoming House and Senate and they passed a censure resolution, that's basically an official slap on the wrist from the Wyoming House and Senate. It's nothing more. It's the House and Senate expressing displeasure. Doesn't really do anything. In this case, it's a step below that. It's just the Republican Party doing it. All right. So, uh, but it is an official statement about how the party feels about the governor during his statement and visit at Harvard University. Vincent Veneta, I think is how you pronounce that, Park County committee man, who read the statement on behalf of the county party Saturday, said unlike the firm commitment that is a censure, A no-confidence resolution states that a majority of the party disagrees with Gordon's position. A censure is a severe disapproval, he said. This just states that we don't support his policy, his issue of carbon reduction or climate change. Gordon did not immediately respond to Cowboy State Daily, the story says. There is a no-confidence motion accusing Gordon of pushing a socialist agenda that was also talked about. During his talk at the Ivy League school, Gordon said Wyoming needs to urgently address climate change by going carbon negative. Quote, it is clear we have a warming climate, he said. It's clear that carbon dioxide is a major contributor factor to climate change. There's an urgency to address this issue, and it isn't only going to be solved by turning off fossil fuels. So you understand why I disagree with every part of that to be fair to governor gordon he has been on his program to talk about this and he and i just disagreed i've talked about this before i personally don't have a problem with the guy i think he's a decent man when i take a look at his personal life the way he's raised his daughters as a businessman one of the reasons wyoming has the investment portfolio that it does the big fat nest egg that it does is because of Governor Gordon before he was governor. He was the guy taking care of that, and he did a fantastic job. But on stuff like this, he and I completely disagree. All right, so he, the governor, later clarified to Cowboy State Daily that he has no desire to pull away from any investment in organic fuels like coal, gas, and oil and wants to use better technology to reduce Wyoming's carbon footprint. Now, you have heard me again talk endlessly, probably too much on these airwaves, about how we don't need to do that. It's not a pollutant. We don't need to sequester it. The governor came on his program, and we talked about it and disagreed about it. Gordon also said during his talk, Wyoming is the first state to commit to becoming carbon negative. Although the no-confidence vote passed unanimously without any discussion, the story says there were a few members who were abstained from voting on it, including... One Laramie County GOP committee woman, Danny Olson. Quote, I'm disappointed about his position on it. 
But I don't have a vote of no confidence, she says. The statement rejected that Wyoming has a desire to become carbon negative and also asserts that Gordon has never before publicly espoused his stance on the state having a goal to be the first to achieve a carbon negative status. So the story goes on to say, although many Republicans in Wyoming uh, reacted without surprise to criticize Gordon's comments, the views he expressed aren't a departure from past statements he's made. So I will say this, Gordon has been consistent on this. Uh, Saturday's statements of no confidence says Gordon's action have boldly turned, uh, they, he had, the governor has turned his back on the values of the Wyoming Republican Party. Quote, Garden, uh, Governor Gordon's current path accepting climate change and his goals to decarbonize the West is counterproductive. Gordon's Harvard comments received backlash also from the Wyoming Freedom Caucus, groups like that as well. So, all right. Uh, again, I, I would hope, I don't think it's going to make any difference at all, but I would hope that the governor heard that. And this is where I've said before, and I will, as we get closer to the next legislative session, to get a hold of my representatives in the Wyoming House and Senate. And I've said this to them before, but I'll remind them. while you're, I know this is a budget session coming up, but while you're at it, Gordon is reaching, at some point here, the end of his term. Okay, uh, I mean, this is his, he's, he can hold the office twice, he's done, right? So can we just make sure he can't do any more damage until we get somebody in there who can undo what Gordon's done? Because we don't need to go carbon negative. We don't need to go carbon neutral. We don't need to go carbon negative. We don't need carbon sequestration. And I would like someone in office who understands that. 615, wake up Wyoming. Local and mobile across Wyoming and beyond. With the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app, this is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six twenty three is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So, okay, if you're just joining me, the Wyoming Republican Party put a notice out, voted on a note of no confidence in the governor. And that's not a censure. That's just the Wyoming Republican Party expressing displeasure because Governor Gordon was speaking at Harvard University. And you got to say it that way, too. It's not Harvard. It's Harvard University. <laughs> and... While there, he said that Wyoming is committed to being carbon negative, not carbon neutral, carbon negative. Well, well, and they talked about climate change and so on. Well, the bulk of Wyoming doesn't buy into all that. So if the governor wants to speak for himself, fine, but that doesn't represent what Wyoming believes. And that's where the Republican Party voted in no confidence in the governor just to let him know, hey, we don't agree with you. We don't stand with you. Let's take a look for a minute here, though. Because there are some things that our governor has done that in the past that we've been displeased with. But that doesn't mean that he's not a good guy or hadn't done a lot of good things as governor. He has, actually. But there are some things where he just is not with us. We don't agree on some of his more, uh, we, we can call them leftist stances, however you want to go ahead and label them. So how has, and like, like I've said, when you take a look at it, the way he raised his daughters as a single dad for quite a while... And at his business ventures and the way he helped to make Wyoming financially, the, the big nest egg the state has is a lot to do with, with Gordon before he was governor. So let's take a look at how we wound up there. Okay, there were a bunch of people running for governor. 
including two billionaires. And I love to point out, for those people who think that money matters in politics, not always. Because here in Wyoming, as one example, we had two billionaires running, and they both lost. So having a bunch of money doesn't mean you're going to win the election, right? All right, so with all these people running for governor at that time, the first time around, and Gordon was, yeah, sort of like in the middle or bottom middle of the pack, you know, and he was out there, he was known, but he wasn't getting major support. Then when the primary vote happened, it was split up in so many different ways. Gordon got the highest number of votes because of how many ways the pie was split. Now, some people will blame and say, well, those Democrats at the time, Democrats were meddling in the Republican primary by switching parties to vote for Gordon. It is true that did happen, but it wasn't enough votes to have changed the outcome. The outcome was going to be the same okay? it, when it, when we, after it was all over, when the number of votes were added up. Whether those Democrats had meddled in a Republican primary or not, it was still going to be Gordon. So it was mainly because of how many ways the vote was split. So once Gordon becomes governor, as is usually the case in politics, when someone already has the office, when they go to run second time, they're pretty well known by everybody at that, especially if they're governor. They're just well known. Anybody else running is pretty well unknown. And I've met a lot of people who would run for governor, but have no idea how to run for an office. They don't know. I, they may or may not be a good uh, a good candidate. They may or may not be good in that office. That that's remains to be seen, whatever office they might be running for. But usually when people go running the first time, they have no idea what they're up against, and they don't know how to run for office. So they're unknown. So when people get to the ballot, when most voters get to the ballot and they look at the names on the ballot, they go for what they recognize. Now, Rush Limbaugh used to call these people the low-information voter. Well, okay. That, that's, yeah, I don't think that's an insult. I think that's just fact. There's people who don't have a whole lot of information, and yet they're showing up to make a decision. Now, I've heard people argue with me all the time, well, they have a right to vote. Yeah, they do, but they should also be an informed voter. And a lot of people that show up to vote really don't know what's going on. So they vote for what they're familiar with. And if Gordon's already been governor for a while and their lives seem to be pretty good, so they go ahead and just mark Gordon again, which is why he won the second time around. So there were some candidates who ran against him this last time, but again, none of them really gained any traction. And there were a couple of people out there running against Gordon who I thought were really good that I supported, but they just didn't gain any traction against them. So Gordon ends up governor second time around. Which is, if we want to solve anything to make sure we get people in office that act, that really do represent our values, it's going to come down to people. I know most of you listening, if you're up this early listening to talk radio, you're mostly an informed person. Whether I agree with you or not is a different thing, but at least you're paying attention. But there's so many people out there who don't pay attention at all. And those are the ones we have to reach with good information about good candidates and good people that actually do represent the values of Wyoming. The other thing is, you notice I've continually called 
Governor a good uh, Governor Gordon a good man, and so is Governor Mead. I, I've known the two of them uh, while they were governor, and I look you know, a little bit personally, but uh, mostly professionally. And I don't find anything wrong with them. I don't find the desire to demonize someone just because I disagree with them. There's a lot of people that I disagree with who are really good people, decent people that I like. We just disagree on some things. So I don't find the need to demonize someone just because I don't like him. I like Gordon. He's a good man. I didn't want him to be governor. I liked him in the position he was in before he was governor. He was excellent there. Coming up on 6.30, local news, weather forecast, Wake Up Wyoming. So many opinions, we had to build the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app to hold them all. Free download from AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six thirty-six. the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. Yeah, I always pick on polls. I hate most polls. Most polls are ridiculous, and the results are garbage, too. But, okay... Gives me good show prep to go through polls. Sometimes somebody does a poll, and I think you really needed to do a poll. And you needed to look that up. Okay, because I could have told you that. Instead of spending all the money on the poll, you could just give me the money, and I'll just tell you. It would make me happy because I have more money than it would make you happy because, well, you have your poll results right now. So, okay, I, and by the way, I want the cash before I tell you what the answer is. <clears throat> Poll. Most voters would rather cut spending than raise taxes. Real, gosh, really? Now, if you're thinking, well, who wants to raise taxes? Oh, trust me. There's people out there who want to raise taxes. They usually have a D by their name politically. So, all right. American voters would rather see lawmakers cut government spending than increase taxes, but a new poll result showed... Uh, the cuts voters would have little effect on the nation's debt. Now, that I could have told you, too. The kinds of things that people really want to cut are not the kind of things that are going to get them the results that they want. I mean, I, I do want cuts on ridiculous spending, like the time they spent money to put a shrimp, yeah, shrimp, the kind you fish or eat with, you know, and put that shrimp on a treadmill in the water to see, you know, and, and, and work it out. We spend taxpayer money on that. Yeah, we can get rid of all that kind of stuff, and we should, and close down various government agencies and so on, and that certainly would have some effect. But what really needs to be cut, people don't want to touch. So the website Center Square did a poll in conjunction with, uh, well, it talks about who we did the poll with, found that 65% of registered voters would opt out of federal spending to address the growing deficit. Some 14% would rather increase taxes than cut spending. Again, there's always those few people out there, and I've met a few, and I've read some articles from a few that, oh, no, we need, in fact, there's that one group in Wyoming, yes, Democrats, Wyoming needs a state income tax, and there's various other things they want to raise taxes on. So of the registered voters who favor spending cuts, 75% would cut services for people uh, in the U.S. illegally. Oh, I'd definitely do that. 
55 would cut diversity, equality, and inclusion programs, definitely. 32% would cut environmental protections. Yes, let's get us that. Especially here in Wyoming, where carbon sequestration in Wyoming, stop it. 23 would cut transportation spending. 23% would cut uh, social safety net programs, such as supplemental nutrition programs, uh, formerly known as food stamps. The poll surveyed likely registered voters... Non-citizens, including legal residents, cannot vote and talks about who. So, in other words, registered voters, people who are probably going to vote. Quote, American citizens tend to think that government should spend money on Americans, said the pollster. Federation of American Immigration Reform, a nonpartisan public interest group, estimated the total net cost of illegal immigration was $150.7 billion in 2023. Wow, that would cut it. But again, that look, if we're talking, uh, well, it's $150 billion. That's quite a chunk, and we should cut it. But that comes nowhere near what we really need to cut to get this under control. Costs to major spending categories were less popular. Some 6% of registered voters would cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. About 12% would cut health care spending other than Medicare and Medicaid. And that's where I would say, no, we do need to cut some of those. And give you an example of what I mean by that. When it comes to Social Security, a lot of people will say to you, well, I paid into Social Security. Yes, you did. But what about those people who are getting back Social Security and they didn't pay into it? Or they only partially paid into it? Or they're getting back far more than they paid. That's what needs to be cut. And again, same thing with Medicare and Medicaid. There's a lot of people on Medicare and Medicaid that shouldn't be on it. And so every time a cut like that is made, you hear the news media scream and squawk why they cut Medicaid and Medicare and there's all these people out there. Are going. There's loads of people out there who are on it that can handle their own medical coverage. They don't need to be on it. About 51% of annual federal spending 2023 was on the Department of Health and Human Services, Social Security Administration, according to the Treasury. Quote, there is a little bit of a chicken and egg situation happening here. People wonder why it is Congress can't rein in spending and cut the budget. But at the same time, they want more to these programs. And there's the problem. Of the voters who want to raise taxes, most want the wealthy corporations to pay more. Those are the people who don't understand how the economy works. Well, we just tax the rich. That'll work, right? Okay. You said that if that's a solution, but it's not because when you take a look at how that really works, that's going to cost a lot of jobs. Okay. And you got to know how the, the economy actually works to understand why. 6.42 is the time. Here's Don Day with an extended look at your weather forecast. Take Glenn anywhere with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. 6.48 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino waiting by. Well, they did it, Frank. Yes, the uh, bronze boot remains in Wyoming, okay. so the state is very happy about that. How do they look? Much, much, much better. Okay, that's and they good. and they and they play with a sense of urgency, and in rivalry games, you know, everyone kind of supposedly brings their A game, and they 
product. Okay. You know, so now they're bowl eligible. They'll play some kind of bowl game, which was cool. And, boy, I can't even tell you how many pictures I saw of players with the bronze boot. The, you know, yeah. the fans were just all over the field after after the game. You know, and they all take selfies yeah. on the field after the game. It's it's, it's pretty cool. So. Okay, so now, it, bowl eligible. You've talked about being better bowl eligible. Well, so. we'll have to see about that. Normally, the, the, the usual candidates, you know, like the Arizona Bowl, you know, probably even lower than that, the New Mexico Bowl, maybe the one in Boise, the Humanitarian Bowl, maybe yeah. the you know, somewhere in in that range, maybe 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 something a little bit different. You never know. Now they'll play at Vegas on Friday. You know that's yeah. a big game. So if they just continue the this you know this upward tick and don't have bad games like they like they right. had against Boise, then you know maybe maybe there's something you know a little bit better and a little bit more uh, you know with with more attention. So you know we'll see. Okay. But they're but they're they're, they're going to be playing somewhere in December. For sure. Okay, sure, sure. But that sense of urgency now that means that they got out there and had a mission and a yes, goal. They exactly. didn't just show up for a game. Yes, they, they were ready to play. Okay, now what about the other team, though? Not ready CSU, to play? CSU, they weren't, they weren't very good to begin with. However, they, they gave the Cowboys you know enough headaches, you know, especially okay. at the end. So competitive game. A lot of people seem to have a really good time at the game. Okay. And they, and they honored, you know, they had the yeah. 1993 WAC champions there for football. A lot of, you know, alumni went to the game. They, they, had, the, they had the largest crowd of the year. Wow. Were you there? No, I was at oh, okay. State Volleyball. Oh, that's right, yeah, because I was wondering what was the weather there. Because where I was, it was on the windy side. Well, well where I was, uh, getting to the Ford Center was on the windy side. Oh, okay. And oh. then once you got inside, it was... You know, one degree north, one one yeah. mile per hour north, one yeah, mile per hour Yeah, whatever it might have been. Yeah, yeah, but inside weather doesn't count in something like this. No, so. no. But it didn't seem to me like they really had bad weather in Laramie, so I was wondering if that played a factor or not. It, 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 trust me, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been, oh, okay. A lot worse. College football over the weekend, the Wyoming Cowboys did retain the bronze boot with a hard-fought 24-15 win over Colorado State in the border war on Friday in Laramie. The Cowboys led 10-7 to at halftime thanks to a touchdown catch from Gunnar Gentry a guy who missed two years due to injuries. The, the Pokes also have 14 points on the board in the third quarter on 11-yard TD catch from Amir Asante and a six-yard run for a score by Sam Scott. Cowboy defense held CSU to 54 yards rushing, and the Rams were 0 for 10 on third down. Plus, UW with a couple of interceptions, so uh, they played sharp. They're bowl eligible at 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in Mountain West play, and they've won the bronze boot in seven of the last eight years. Cowboys with an interesting game this Friday night on the road at U. UNLV in Vegas. In high school football, the state championship games will be Friday and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie. The semifinals were held over the weekend. In 4A, Cheyenne survived Natrona 17-10. Sheridan bombarded Thunder Basin 62-7. So Easton Sheridan in the 4A final on Saturday at 4 p.m. In 3A, defending champion Star Valley beat Buffalo 30-19 and Cody drilled Evanston 52-14. Star Valley plays Cody again for the 3A state title on Friday at 3 p.m. In 2A, Torrington went on the road, knocked off Mountain View 20 and defending champion Bighorn defeated Lyman 34-14. So Bighorn and Torrington for the 2A title on Friday at noon. And 1A9 man, Big Piney went on the road, a long road trip, and beat Lingo Fort Laramie 51-27, while Wind River Ed 
Hood Southeast 32 to 30. So Big Piney and Wind River for all the marbles on Saturday at 1 p.m. at Larrabee. And 1A six-man defending champion Little Snake River defeated Dubois 47-22 in Burlington edging Camden in a wild game 80 to 73. So LSR and Burlington for the state title again. That will be at 10 a.m. on Saturday in Larrabee. High school volleyball season ended on Saturday with the championship games of the state tournament. Larrabee won their third state title in the last four years, outlasting Thunder Basin in five thrilling sets. Mountain View repeated as the two, a 3A champion with a four-set win over Powell. Bighorn won their second title in three years in 2A, beating Burns in four sets. And in 1A, Cokeville won their 26th championship overall with a three-sets-to-none win over Little Snake River. The girls' high school swimming season wrapped up over the weekend in Gillette with the state championships. And 4A, Kelly Walsh won the team title for the first time ever. Chase Shirkolk won the 50-meter freestyle and the 100-meter freestyle. Jackson was second, Campbell County third. Laramie's Maggie Turpin was the state champion in diving. Green River won the 3A championship. Tavia Arnell and junior Tanith Smith won two events each for the Wolves. Rachel Johnson of Evanston, the 3A diving champion for 2023. So who does UW play next? UNLV. UNLV. Odds? University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Okay. And they're having one of, they're usually they're not very good in football, but obviously yeah. for this year they seem to be a lot better. Oh, okay. So there's a challenge there. There is. Are they going to be there or here? And they'll be in Vegas. They'll be in Vegas. Well, that's good. They get to go to Vegas and enjoy Vegas. Well, they, you know what? They keep yeah. the football teams away from the casinos. Oh, see, now what? Can they go to a show? The shows they, are no, 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 no. no. They, they, they go to a hotel away from everything, and they're, oh. they're, all I can do is look at it from afar. Oh, God. See, now, uh, why would you do that to somebody? Because it's, you know, they, they need to be focused. Oh, focused on there. Okay. Well, focused on football and not after, on slot machines. What about after the game? They they go to the airport and take uh, off. It sucks. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we got to take care of a news time. Let's wake up Wyoming. Seven oh six at time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Monday. Yes, seven oh six is the time. I repeat it again. Yeah, Friday. I had written an article and talked to some of you folks about how there were those who had sent me messages confused as to why we would have a time change in Wyoming. Didn't Wyoming repeal that? And what I had said on the air plus the article I wrote said, no, we didn't. We agreed to repeal it if everybody else was doing it. And the federal government would have to agree. So no. And this morning I got more people sending me notes. Didn't Wyoming repeal daylight saving? No, we did not. We will do it. We'll go along with everybody else if everybody else is doing it. That's the legislation that was passed. So, sorry. Still got to change your clock. 7.07 is the time right now. All right, now, Mondays. I usually like on Mondays and Fridays to find something for you guys that's just outside of the box. Something just to make your day. So, you'll love this one, I hope. Our Vice President, Camilla Harris has been trying to reboot, yet again, what everybody thinks about her. So she's out there. Well, she's got a campaign run. She wants to be vice president again. So she's got to figure out how to improve her image because as low as Joe Biden's approval ratings are, Camilla Harris's ratings are even lower. 
and she keeps making it worse. So she's been on a bit of a tour lately. The story in front of me says Vice President Kamala Harris, despite being the beneficiary of a media blitz, ranging from interviews on 60 Minutes to long-form profiles like New York Times write The Atlantic. They write about how unpopular she is with voters, despite all of her work to have them say otherwise. Quote, Harris has been the center of a media blitz this fall and has taken on new policy leadership responsibilities while working to overcome lingering issues, including her sagging poll numbers, and it goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, ease and confidence have not been prevailing themes for her vice presidency. Well, and Eve, I love that they, the president put her in charge of artificial intelligence, but not to write legislation that would matter on artificial intelligence. But no, no, no. Artificial intelligence need to be, it needs to be equitable and inclusive. Things like this. In other words, completely useless. She was put in charge of the southern border. How's that been working out? She was supposed to be the czar of the southern border. On and on it goes. So everything that she's trying to do to improve her image. New York Times Magazine relayed that in an interview with more than 75 people in the vice president's orbit, there is little agreement about Harris at all. Mostly they don't really like her. By the way, she has gone through so many staff members. People get a job working for her, and it doesn't take long before they're gone. They just can't stand her. A Karen, a woman named Karen, would look at Camilla Harris and go, damn, woman, because she's that hard to work for. So this is known about her. So let's see. Columnist in the Washington Post, New York Magazine, and uh, prominent independent writers said there's better options available. So even among Democrats, not doing well. But you see, don't think you realize it's all your fault. No, don't look around at somebody else. You, it's your fault that she's not doing well, that nobody really likes her and her poll numbers are so low and everybody thinks that she's an idiot. And it's your fault that you don't understand when she's talking, the word salad she throws out, which by the way, even Democrats, even liberal news commentators have said word salad. When she throws that out, nobody has any idea what she's really talking about. She just throws words out until she eats up the time. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But it's your fault, you see. So let's go to MSNBC. Two people that you know you want to sit, spend your afternoon watching on television. First off, former White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki, which, by the way, Jen Psaki, you haven't heard me say this in a while for those who've never heard it before. Jen Psaki is a Native American word that means lying redhead. Well, she now works for MSNBC. Of course they hired her. They think she's brilliant. She was interviewing, you'll love this, Stacey Abrams. <clears throat> Stacey Abrams is the woman who's run for governor in, of Georgia and various other political seats and never wins anything. Now, one of the Star Trek television shows tried to put her on as president. They, they actually cast her in one of the episodes as president of the Federation. Yeah, that was laughable. And yet, 
Stacey Abrams never wins anything when she runs for office. So somehow these two women are considered to be experts and they're put on television on MSNBC to have what kind of a discussion would you think, right? How bad would that be? Okay. So get this is why the vice president's bad reputation and low poll numbers are all your fault. Get a load of this. I wanted to ask you about the vice president because she has been under a huge amount of scrutiny through her entire time in office. I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but I want to ask you, as a prominent woman of color who's run for office, do you think she would be receiving these same critiques if she was a white man? No. No, not at all. We will always question the person behind the person, but we cannot ignore that misogyny and racism remain very prevalent in our politics. And for those behaviors that don't rise to either misogyny or racism, there's also just the difference. Our expectations are set for the traditional white male vice president. Uh huh. See, so it's all your fault that nobody likes Camilla Harris. It is. It is. It's because uh, you're misogynist. I don't think you can say racist in her case, but they'll try to throw that out there if they can. But anyway. Yeah, it's because that's a woman, and how dare you, because, you know, don't you say anything bad about her. Now, what if, just a thought to the Democrats out there, what if Camilla Harris is just an idiot? What if she's just an idiot, and nobody likes her in that position because she's totally unqualified for this job? Absolutely, 100% unqualified to be where she is. And again, as we watch what she, how she acts, but also listen to what she says, we realize this woman doesn't know anything about anything. And jobs that she's been given by the president, you're the borders are. How's that working out? Any other job she's not even shown up to, including the border, she's not even saw, uh, showed up to take care of. Whenever we do listen to her speak in front of a crowd, we have no idea what she's talking about because she just throws words out there until she's filled the time. Words that don't even connect or make sense. But it's your fault if you don't like her, you see now. That's just because we have a woman vice president, and that's that just doesn't meet our expectations. It's got to be a man. It's got to be a white guy. or That's what they're saying. This is why... You listening right now, don't tune in to MSNBC. That's why MSNBC's ratings are so low. Those two are going to get together and have a serious discussion. 7.15, wake up, Wyoming. Start your day the right way. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Seven twenty is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. It's a Monday. Don Day is going to be on seven forty-five to talk about this week's weather forecast, which overall is not bad. Just temperatures drop a little bit more, but nothing really horrible here. Okay, so I was picking on our vice president. Is it Camilla Harris or Kamala Harris? I never do get that way. I hear, I hear people pronounce it two different ways. Kamala Harris. Anyway. Then there's the president. I'm, I'm saying that because I want to get back to the border wall. So the president, who has never been able to keep any promise to anybody. this I'll go back to when he was a senator. You know, he started in the Senate in 
the 1970s. And he's been in politics the entire time. He should have been run out of office a long time ago for lies and so on, but and corruption and should have been jailed for a lot of it. But okay, he just kept going. But it doesn't matter what he's talking about. He'll say whatever sounds good at the time and very rarely is ever questioned on his lies. For example... So there's not going to be any delay on the tax increases? No, well, i got to get the votes. i got to get the votes. That's why, you know, uh, the one thing that I, I have this strange notion, we are a democracy. Some of my Republican friends and some of my Democratic friends even occasionally say, well, if you can't get the votes by executive order, you're going to do something. Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. Okay, several things on that. He's written more executive orders on his first day than any other president ever and has continued to do so. And next, we're not a democracy. We are a republic. So I have a strange notion. Yes, it is a strange notion. Mr. President, we're a republic, not a democracy. But anyway, he said he was going to do something about the border. I mean, he tries to get stuff done. The best way to get something done, yeah. if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you right. uh, then, then, um, uh, like to be able to... Um, anyway. Anyway. Yeah, it's uh, inspiring words from the President of the United States. So, okay, let's go back here. Uh, president Biden famously pronounced the story, he says... To and promised not to build another foot of border wall during his presidency. But he's willing to spend about $950 million in the upkeep of the existing infrastructure. So those people who didn't want a border wall... Biden administration, the story says, which uh, reversed course last month and announced it will build a new section of wall in Texas. Oh, now, now he's building a new section. Okay. Well, fat lot of good it does if you can just go around that. I saw, and it, it, there must have been a fence there before, but it's still very funny. Someone took a picture of a house, and there's a sidewalk in front of the house in the street, and then there's a gate, a little fence gate, on the walkway leading to the front door, and the gate is locked. Now, there isn't any fencing of any kind around the house. But you can't get to the house because there's a locked gate, even though there's no fencing connected to that gate. That's essentially what we have on the border right now. There's little sections of fencing that have been put up. Well, unless you're going to run the entire length, what good does that do you? All right, well, so... Texas allocated the money to repair and upgrade existing border walls in the Lone Star State, California, and Arizona, according to a court filing. Customs and Border Protection report that four separate contracts have been awarded for uh, remediation work and a system of insulation, they say, at sites in Tucson and San Diego, El Paso, and El Centro. Well, again, for those people who wanted the president to not build a wall, which he said he was determined to do, here he is not just repairing the old wall, but building the section of new. So the story reads, we, and this is from a conservative news site here, we shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth, as the saying goes. Every bit of additional barrier on the border wall decreases the amount of area that, uh, that basically Border Patrol has to set up resources to try to stop people. In other words, funneling them through so we can at least stop them and then release them after that. But all right. 
The story says the Biden team is still trying to write off this money that was previously allocated. They can't spend it on anything else. The way it was allocated, they have to spend it on this. But that didn't stop them from ignoring all of those allocations for almost three years. The story says, and uh, they've pointed out there previously, uh, $950 million is isn't nearly enough. If we focus on a third of the cash we've sent to Ukraine on border security, this writer says we could have finished the wall entirely by now. Biden doesn't want to do so. Now, let's take just for the fun of it, for the six or seven people out across America that are Biden supporters. When it comes to drilling and digging, well, the president said and promised his hardcore leftist supporters that he wouldn't do that anymore. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yes. pipeline infrastructure? Yes. And, exactly. and, and, and. No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth? even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. Now, even though he's made it more difficult to do business here in America, still, though, we are drilling and digging here in America. So there was that promise that he made, and I wonder, come next election time, when they turn to him and say, but you promised... And you know it's going to sound whiny, but you promise. You is know it more environmentally sound. friendly to develop and produce oil and gas resources off the coast of Louisiana, or is it more environmentally friendly to develop those resources, say, in Venezuela or in another country abroad, in terms of emissions, in terms of climate? Um, Senator, what I can say is that... Um I think here in our country, we care deeply about workers. And, uh, but that's not my question. My question is, what has the lowest emissions profile using Louisiana or American workers in the outer continental shelf off the Gulf with American companies and American regulations or Venezuelan standards and Venezuelan crude? Senator, I'm, I'm not an economist or an engineer or a scientist. Um, but with respect get a sense that this question is not going to be answered straightforward. There is a national lab which has determined that the emissions profile of developing oil and gas off the coast of Louisiana is the lowest in the world for that oil which is processed in Louisiana. So wouldn't it make a whole lot of sense if we went ahead and drilled and diggeded right here in America and then refined it in America? instead of going abroad to get it because they don't have the same environmental rules that we do. If you're really concerned about emissions and pollution and et cetera, et cetera, wouldn't you rather do that here in America than abroad? Uh, well, great question, but that was a member of the Biden administration who couldn't answer the question. 
Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after news time update on your weather forecast, and you and I get back into it again. Oh, and speaking of weather forecast, Don Day with an interview that we have each and every morning at 745 to get you ready for the week, actually not looking bad overall. I'll talk to Don about it. So wake up, Wyoming. The best talk show host in the state, within his price range. Tune in to Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods, weekdays at 6. Seven thirty-six. of time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. Uh, real quick, I haven't been doing a whole lot on Middle East because when I take a look at different websites and even broadcasts, and cable networks that are supposed to be news. They really, most of them just dropped out of doing news a long time ago. So whenever I take a look at what anybody's doing online, on air, on cable, whatever satellite, I find it's the same commentators over and over again just trying to fill airtime about what's happening with Israel and Hamas. And so it, it, they're beating us to death. You got to wait for something to actually happen. It's happening slowly, but the war is happening. So I haven't really said much of it because if you follow what are supposed to be news sites, they're just overwhelming you with it. This, however, just happened. So Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was wrapping up his grueling Middle East tour as of this morning in Turkey with limited success in efforts to get the region just to step back and relax and maybe a bit of a a pause a ceasefire pause in Gaza. So Binkin met and he didn't really accomplish a whole lot. Well Israel is determined to do this. They've had enough especially after this last attack which was so brutal. They've had enough and so they're doing this. They're taking care of Hamas. And as far as they're concerned they're going to do it for good. And nobody's going to talk him out of it. So all right, story says Blinken met with the Turkish capital in the Turkish capital with the minister there over the weekend. Uh, he also did go to uh, Israel for a bit. He's uh, trying to talk with Iraq because of their and uh, Iran because of their support of Hamas. Blinken's using subtle diplomacy. The story says as troops are expected to enter the city this morning, and I think they already have. I'll keep an eye on that, but all right. And likely to face militant fighting street by street in those network of underground tunnels. So he hasn't really accomplished anything. Israel is doing this. That's the update on the story. Also, I came across, I was thinking about this this weekend. Israel, they're smart. They're clever. Real, they are when it comes to how to defend themselves. They think outside the box. So military is what they do best because they have to in order to stay alive. You figure the situation they're in. Their backs are up against the sea and they're surrounded by people who don't just want Israel to not exist. They want to wipe out all Jews. That's the situation they're in. So to survive, they have to be this good. So when it comes to getting down into those tunnels and fighting tunnel by tunnel by tunnel, 
It's not to say that some of that's not going to happen. Some will. But for the most part, they don't intend to go tunnel by tunnel. They have other ideas. There's all sorts of ways to handle those tunnels without having to go down in them. And I'm trying to remember what country was it? Egypt or some other country had handled a situation with terrorists and tunnels by mixing seawater and raw sewage together and just pouring it down the tunnels. Why go down there? Flood them out with the worst possible stuff. Seawater and raw sewage mixed together. Ooh, that's just... Some of you are having breakfast. I'm sorry. But just imagine that coming flooding down on you. And so even if they're able to stop it above them, they still would have to get through that to get out, right? So that's one of many ways to handle the situation without having to go through every single tunnel one at a time. When I hear the media talk about what the strategy of Israel would be to go house by house and tunnel by tunnel, I realize that, of course, your news media doesn't know war. They're news media. They don't know war. They don't know how high-level military operations really work. Your news media, like politicians, would love to be experts in everything, but of course they're not. So they often give you analysis, which they try to bring on experts. They'll bring on different generals and colonels and talk about it. But really, you got to talk to someone who's in the know in Israel, and they're not going to be able to get that. They just won't. Because Israel is not going to talk about what they intend to do. But so far, what little I have seen is... Israel has other ideas rather than going room by room, building by building. And you got to think about there's several million people in a very tiny area. So that's a lot of rooms. Well, there's other ways to handle that. And those are a lot of tunnels, a lot of tunnels. And they go deep. They go way deep. This is not a tunnel that's like a cellar. They go way deep. Well, you can handle that without having to go tunnel by tunnel. So I'm going to be very interested, and we probably won't know right away. We'll have to wait, and uh, actually probably a few years is my thought, to find out what Israel really did to handle all of these tunnels. Either way, though, Secretary Blinken has figured out Israel's not stopping. They're doing this. 742, wake up. Honestly, he's just happy to be here. Catch Glenn Woods on Wake Up Wyoming weekdays at 6 on air on Alexa and on the Wake Up Wyoming app. is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day from Day Weather. Don, I'm watching your forecasting here, and I go back to what I was saying last week, that winter just seems to be easing on in. No big punch so far. No, that one punch we had in late October was a pretty good punch, but it didn't last. And so we're at a nice rebound in temperatures there, and, and we're going to be, for the most part, looking at, I would just call this average November weather. We are going to be very mild again today and tomorrow. We do have a trough coming through tomorrow night and Wednesday, and that's going to cool off things enough to notice. And there's going to be a little bit of rain and snow shower activity, especially in the high country, maybe a little bit down on the plains, and then the rest of the week and into the weekend, just kind of average, cooler than it's been, but nothing cold. Okay. Now, now, I do notice that way you're, you're saying cooler than it's been. As that has moved in, yeah, we got a little bit of wind over the weekend. A few areas are getting some of that wet that you're talking about. But for the most part, this week looks really nice. 
For the most part, yeah. For for this time of year, uh, here we are getting deeper and deeper in November. It's really not bad. We're still looking at the second half of the month bringing a change. Confidence is growing that that's going to happen. But we've got a good seven, eight, nine days, I think, uh, before there's anything that would really rock the boat. Okay. Now, what, let's talk about rocking the boat because, I mean, you threw it out there, right? At, at some point, before anything rocks the boat, how much are we rocking? Well, it, you know, well, how much does it take to rock a no, boat? Well, that's true. Yeah, we got a point there. We, we have a long philosophical <laughs> well, discussion here. No, but in other words, I mean, things are brewing, right? Well, yeah, things are brewing. And, and the thing is, when we, when we talk about fundamental changes, a shift in the weather pattern, you're going to bring the opposite of what you're what you're experiencing. And we do see towards the middle to the end of the month, the opportunity. This is what I'm seeing. Again, I always, I always say this. I can tell you what the trend is. I can't give you the specifics, but I can tell you the trend after the 15th of November, probably up to the first week of December, is looking colder across the state and region. And the trend of snow chances are going to really be going up as well. Does, what does that mean at the end of your driveway? I can't tell you right now. Okay. But certainly I do think a more wintry pattern for the second half of the month is on yeah. the table. Yeah, okay. See, even the wind that came up during this weekend, by Wyoming standards, I mean, it was windy, but I mean, it was nothing horrible. People were still going outside. Hey, the way I looked at it, I got a le- I got a lot of leaves out of my lawn. It went into there my neighbor's lawn. That's what I always did. You know, I just, <laughs> why should I rake? <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. Don Day with Day Weather. So, okay, I, just so you know, trying to keep up abreast, but he can only go so far out. Off we go to the ice box to talk to Frank Gambino. Okay, so I am very excited about this, Frank, and I've got to hold my excitement because we don't know anything yet. So, you know, the Reno Air Races are no longer in Reno. Yeah, right? so Casper is up for yes. bid. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. It was probably in the 1980s that um, Casper hosted, they called it the Flying Cowboy Air Show. Yeah. And it was racing. Yeah. It, it was an air show with racing. It only lasted one year, and it was fascinating. Sure. They had, you know, your bleachers set up, you could wash. They had, a, you know, like a PA guy who knew aviation to oh, the yeah. max, and yeah. all these planes would come in, you know. It was, I, I, it was, it was, a, it was really, really a cool day. Now, I mean, now if this thing comes. Sure. Oh, man. Know, well, I take a look at the Casper Airport because, you know, I, I fly my little plane out of there, and it is a great little airport. Now, if you think... They picked that area, World War II, to train some fighter planes and bombers for a reason, which means these guys had to do some really fast maneuvering, racing, as it was, to get ready for war. So to head up, to set up races out that way, and again, right around the airport, I fly that. Perfect, Frank. I mean, absolutely perfect. I don't know what we do to get them out here. If people can go all the way to Reno, Nevada for air races, then why not come here? They, they, they've had it once. My, my only thing is, like, you know, the, the wind. I yeah. mean, it's, well, it, it, okay. I mean it's, it's, it's breezy here. You know? by, by the time, and this is yeah. not a deal like Oshkosh. No, you it's know, not. No, but it's, it's an entirely different deal from the that. The time that they have the races uh, in Reno, it, here in Wyoming, it's not as windy. Okay. It's not bad. That's a good time of year to do it. Because if you try to do the Reno Air Races about now in Casper, no way. You can't do it. But they do it during the summer months when it's a lot quieter. So, yeah, this would be a perfect time to do it. And let's not forget, one of the most winning 
flyers at the Reno Air Races was a gentleman who's no longer with us, but his plane is still here, who is from Casper, Wyoming. No way. And his plane is still out at the airport, owned by somebody else and gets flown on a regular basis. But, yeah, this guy was like, uh, and it's like, for those people who don't know what we're talking about, Reno Air Races have been like the uh, the Daytona 500 mm-hmm. of air racing. 60 years they've been out there. Yes, and one of the most winning flyers in the Reno Air Races was a Casper guy. Again, yes. he, he's gone, but his plane is still here. I hope they figure this out. Yeah. College football over the weekend. The Wyoming Cowboys retained the bronze boot with a hard-fought 24-15 victory over Colorado State in the border war on Friday in Laramie. The Cowboys led 10-7 at halftime thanks to a TD catch from Gunnar Gentry, a guy who missed two years due to injuries. And the Cowboys put 14 points on the board in the third quarter with 11-yard TD catch from Amir Asante and a six-yard run for a score from Sam Scott. The Cowboy defense held CSU to 54 yards yards rushing. The Rams were 0 for 10 on third down. Plus UW with a couple of interceptions. So now they are bowl eligible at 6-3 and 3-2 and three and two in Mountain West Conference play. They've won the bronze boot seven of the last eight years. How about that? And the Cowboys will have an interesting game this Friday night on the road at UNLV. High school football, the state championship games will be Friday and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie with the semifinals held over the weekend. In 4A, Cheyenne East survived Natrona 17-10. Sheridan bombarded Thunder Basin 62-7. So East and Sheridan in the 4A final on Saturday at 4. The 3A championship, uh, defending 3A champion Star Valley beat Buffalo 30-19. And then Cody drilled Evanston 52-14. So Star Valley will play Cody for the 3A title on Friday. Friday at 3 p.m. In 2A, Torrington went on the road, knocked off Mountain View 25-19. Defending champion Bighorn defeated Lyman 34-14. So Bighorn and Torrington play for the 2A title on Friday at noon. In 1A, 9-man Big Piney went a long road trip and beat Lingle Fort Laramie 51-27 while Wind River at Southeast 32-30. So Big Piney and Wind River for all the marbles on Saturday at 1 p.m. In 1A, 6-man defending champion Little Snake River defeated Dubois 47-22. Burlington edged in Capman in a wild game, 80-73. to So LSR and Burlington play for the state title again. That'll be at 10 a.m. on Saturday in Larry. High school volleyball season ended on Saturday in Casper with the state championship matches. Laramie won their third state title in the last four years, outlasting Thunder Basin in five thrilling sets. Mountain View repeated as the two, 3A champions with a four-set win over Powell. Bighorn won their second title in three years in 2A, beating Burns in four sets. And in 1A, Cokeville won their 26th championship overall with a three-sets-to-none win over Little Snake River. Girls High School swimming season wrapped up over the weekend in Gillette with the state championships. In 4A, Kelly Walsh won the team championship for the first time ever. Chase Shearcoke won the 50 free and the 100 free. Jackson was second, Campbell County third. Laramie's Maggie Turpin, the state champion in diving. Green River won the 3A championship. Tavia Arnell and junior Tanith Smith won two events each for the Wolves. Rachel Johnson of Evanston was the 3A diving champion in 2023. And that's it in sports. So you want to look up the name, Frank, of Jim Good. Jim Good. Wyoming Aviation Hall of Fame. He's the gentleman who went to the Reno Air Races and, wow, I mean, just won again and again and again. And his airplane, a very famous airplane, is hangered out at the Casper Airport. There's a gentleman who owns it and who loves that plane and takes it up for some really incredible maneuvers from time to time just to keep the old bird and goes to places like Oshkosh and so okay, yeah. to show cool. the plane off because it's a famous airplane with a famous pilot lived right here. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, to bring it back. All right, thank you, Frank. Yeah, that's incredibly. I would just love. All right. I'm dreaming, but hang. Coming up on some local business news time weather forecast, Wake Up Wyoming.
40. Six to time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Monday. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right. A lot to go over, some of which I'm going to go back and cover, just touch on real quick for those people who weren't able to join me at 6 o'clock this morning. But first off, this is the most dangerous point of the program every day at about this time. Open phones. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. You can talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject, fine by me. We do that every day at this time, not just on Fridays. So whatever's burning the hole through your head, fine. Triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. All right, so... I started this morning with the Wyoming Republican Party passed a vote of no confidence against Governor Mark Gordon. Now, that doesn't really do anything other than to say, we're not pleased, Governor, with what you did there. That's all that means, just to let the governor know, not happy. That's because Governor Gordon went to Harvard University and talked about Wyoming being dedicated to going not just carbon neutral, but carbon negative, a little bit less than carbon neutral. So we wouldn't just produce, it's not we wouldn't be producing CO2 at all, we'd actually be drawing more than that out of the air. Because Governor Gordon's a big believer in human-caused climate change, and he's been on this program, we've talked about this before, he and I disagree on it, and so we had this nice, respectful disagreement on it, but carbon sequestration and carbon capture out of thin air is, as far as I'm concerned, just a waste of money and time, especially because it's not causing catastrophic climate change and it's not a pollutant. I can get into all of that again, but let's focus, I'll focus on what happened. So the Republican Party did not like the fact that Governor Gordon went to Harvard University and said that Wyoming is committed to becoming carbon negative. The answer to that is, Governor Gordon, you are. But the bulk of Wyoming is not. There are some other people, Democrats in Wyoming, who would love to be carbon negative. But the bulk of Wyoming doesn't buy into that. And the Wyoming Republican Party, of which Gordon is a member of, certainly is not interested in it. So that's what they're saying to the governor is, you really shouldn't have said that Wyoming is committed to because the bulk of Wyoming is not. You don't speak for us on this. So in order to express their displeasure, the Republican Party came up with this letter of disapproval. We disapprove of what you said there. Voted on it and sent it to the governor. Now, as far as I know, the governor hasn't responded on anything yet. He has, according to Ms. Mary, he does. the governor does want to come on his program to talk about several things. He wants me on for about a half hour. 
and talk about quite a few different things. And I'm sure I'll bring that up, too, to get his reaction to it. But all right. So that's one of the things we covered earlier this morning. On that note, I've talked about this before. A guy that I have interviewed a couple of times, got a couple of books out. One of the books is The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. This is a guy who showed me that I, I knew some of this, but he's, his book is so good. He shows that using coal, gas, and oil has actually not just been good for humanity, but has been good for the planet. Hey, gentlemen, Greta Thunberg, you're in a dance hall, arms in the air, sweating to the music. Big screen TV is up above your head with Greta Thunberg looking down and angry. How dare you? Well, hang on. Because I'll get to this story. Here's a story I found how the car, the automobile, helped restore New England's forest. Now, I've talked about this before, but we need to get into the article. But like I said, we've reached the open phone segment of the program. And at that point, anybody can go ahead and interrupt me, change the subject if they want. That's fine by me. So off to Mills, Wyoming we go, where Jude is waiting by. Hey, Jude. Hey, did you get did you get, uh, get to watch that video I sent you about airplanes with the comedian? Uh, no, I saw it, but I didn't watch it this weekend. Sorry about that. Oh, well, you've got to when you get a minute. It's funnier okay. than hell since you're into planes. Um, let's talk about Israel first. Yeah. I did a little history jumping and went back in time a little bit. And I can remember, I remember hearing it when I was a kid, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. But anyway, so I went back history jumping and it turns out that there's two canals, okay, for floating ships. And right now, Turkey and all of these big, big carriers have to go all the way around Africa to get to Europe and to dump their load of oil or whatever. Well, the, the, back in the 70s, one of our presidents, I don't remember who it was, Jimmy Carter, I think, or something at the time, they were talking about making that one canal that goes happens go right through Gaza there, deeper and wider, so it would cut down by months of uh, shipping. And I think that's what this is about. It's about stealing again. It's about money. It's about $6 billion a year they would save in transportation and time if they just made that canal wider and deeper for ships to go through it instead of all the way around Africa. Now, that's just my tin foil hat here, you know, working. But I can remember hearing about that when I was a kid. And the government, our government, was condoning it. So, anyway, you can take that for what it's okay. worth. Um down in Colorado, I watched the uh, hearing, and it was uh, Cash Patel was testifying, and Katrina, uh, Katrina Pearson testified uh, that what happened on January 6th, how the um, how Trump had um, authorized the ten to 20,000 troops, blah, blah, blah. Well, Cash Patel just owned them. I mean, just obliterated these lawyers. They didn't know what to do. One lawyer was crossing his arms. And you know you only cross your arms when you're feeling insecure, right? right yeah. <laughs> and he, <laughs> excuse me. He's telling them, look, we authorized it. We did what we were supposed to do. It was up to 
the Capitol Police, whoever manages those, which is Nancy Pelosi, they kept leaving her name out of everything for some reason. And it was uh, Mayor Browser that was supposed to ask us and approve to get those troops, right? Mm-hmm. Well, these guys had the whole story all wrong. And then I found where, uh, what was it, uh, what do they call it? The report that the J6 committee had done, 248 pages of absolute bull. Right. I mean, even today's standards, it's bull. And Liz Cheney's in that one, too, and it just about made my head explode because she's the one that was pushing the fact that, or the, the pretense that Trump never tried to stop anyone from going to the Capitol, right. which was a lie. I mean, read his tweets and listen to his speech. But it was it was a big victory for Trump this weekend in Colorado. Okay. Those guys were obliterated. And the Minnesota courts, they're saying it should be left up to Congress. They're the ones that should be determining what insurrection means and interpretation of the 14th Amendment, which is correct. It's been that way for 240 years. Why would it change now? Right. So, well, anyway, there's my Monday morning. Okay, glad you got that off your chest. But anything to make Trump look bad before the upcoming election, they'll go ahead and do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's about wasting his money, wasting his time, and keeping him off the campaign right. trail. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, so, Judy. Have a good week. Yeah. I have... Um, how the car, the automobile, helped restore New England's forests, among other things, coming up for you next. But you can do what I'm doing or what Judy just did, which is change the subject if you want. That's fine. Morning, Mandy. She's in Kimball, Nebraska. Mark is in a godforsaken hill just outside of Casper. Grandpa Rich in Thermopolis. Nibiru is in Casper. Jim is in Glenrock. Chet is in Yoder. Ter- a terrier gal in Fort Collins. Wild transplant is in Cheyenne. These are just, oh, Rianne for Danger. These are just some of the people who are listening to the program, some on radio stations, some off the Wake Up Wyoming app, and they're using the the app is free, by the way, to download at your app store. Just Wake Up Wyoming. They hit the chat button. They're sending me text messages while I'm talking, and I'm answering them back. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Sure, this show is sustainable. We sequester all gas emissions to one room. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 and FM 95.1, weekdays at 6. Once a time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. You can do what Judy just did. I was talking about something, and she just jumped in and interrupted me. I mean, that's not rude at all. 888 woods the phone number. That's why I have the open phone segment. And you can change the subject as you want. So I've talked about this before, but it's nice to see an article that backs me up. There's a website. If you're tired of bad news all the time, this is a good news site. It's called Human Progress. And the Human Progress website is brilliant. It shows all of the great things that human beings are doing. Not bad news all the time, right? Well, in the book, and I hope we can get them on, Alex Epstein is the author of a couple of books about using coal, gas, and oil. And hopefully he's coming to Casper, Wyoming to speak at the college there. I hope to get him on the program before he gets here. And I'd like to hear him speak as well, but he's testified in front of Congress and so on. And he shows what using coal, gas, and oil, how good it's been, not just for humanity, it's not killing us. We're living longer than ever before because of this. But how good it is for nature. All right, so one of the examples he calls out in the book is uh, the moral case for fossil fuels. 
is uh, at one point, many states, so let's focus on just the New England states. I can pick up other states, but we'll just focus on New England states. It was almost completely logged out. If you went out there, it almost looked like a prairie. They had cut down so many trees, homes, fuel, clearing land for farming. And farming back then took up so much land. But then came use of petroleum products and coal and natural gases. Not only do we produce far more food on far less land than ever before, but we produce our electricity so we can cook and so we can keep our homes cool in the summer, warm in the wintertime. Between natural gas and coal, we've been using that kind of a fuel for just electricity and cooking and warming with natural gas as well, too. And because of that, if you go to New England states now, it's heavily forested. It is thick with trees. And this is true all over the continent. In fact, over the globe. Yeah, there are some places that trees are being cut down at an alarming rate. But globally, there's more trees than ever before. The planet is getting greener. And one of the main reasons for that is there's more CO2 in the air, which is not primarily because of humans although we have contributed to it. But here's the story. <clears throat> this author said, let me see, who wrote this for human progress? Okay, Malcolm Cochran wrote this. He said, two years ago, I brought my parents a trail cam, one of those cameras you put on a trail, for their house in Vermont. We set it up on the edge of the forest where it snaps photos of the slightest movement. So far, it's spotted countless deer, squirrels, chipmunks, raccoons, foxes, possum, woodchucks, bear, bobcat. These are lush woods after a heavy summer rain and dark parts grow thick with uh, gnats and mosquitoes. All kinds of mushrooms pop up from leafy litters there. Certain places crawl with so many newts and other insects. It's hard to walk without stepping on something. When fleeing from the bugs, he says, it's not unusual to come across old mossy stone walls from the time when Vermont and the rest of New England was mostly field and pasture. The common story is that in the mid-19th century, farmers went west to flatter, richer land, to the cities to work in new industries as well. The railroad bought cheaper uh, produce from the east, and New England's farms were reclaimed by pine, cedar, and birch, it's uh, a true story, but not the whole story. Another part of it was the invention of the automobile. He says, before we had cars, we relied on horses, mules, millions of them. In cities, they carried riders, delivered goods, pulled cabs, wagons, omnibuses, fire engines on farms. They cleared land, plowed fields, turned mills. As American cities rapidly expanded, so too did their stables and those farmers had to feed those animals, so more land had to be cleared. Horse populations were growing so rapidly that it, as almost uh, as agriculture moved west, New England's hay fields stuck around. Between 1880 and 1809, total cleared farmland in New England fell by almost half from 13 million acres to 7 million, while land used for hay production fell just 11% to 4.2 million to uh, acres to 3.7 million. Nationally, the number of acres used for production grew, 
however, during that time. This was mostly because hay has a relatively low value for its volume, making it economical to transport long distances. Horses began to decline in the 20th century as cars, trucks, and to some extent uh, streetcars. Replace legions of riding horses. I mean, horses were everywhere. Anne Green writes in Horses at Work, horse populations dropped off east to west. After 1910, the states with the largest horse populations were all in western Mississippi. By 1949, there were just over 2 million acres of hayfields left in New England. By 2017, about 1 million. From a conservation perspective, cars beat horses because of energy density. That's important, because of energy density. A well-worked draft horse could eat about 30,000 calories of hay and oats each day or the output of about four acres of fertile 1930 cropland. A modern delivery van driving 100 miles a day doing the work of multiple teams of horses might consume 10 gallons of diesel fuel refined from a tiny fracture of the typical well's daily productivity. Each gallon of diesel, each gallon of diesel contains around 35,000 calories if only horses could digest it. Cars also didn't have to be kept alive, idle horses. You still got to care for them, you still got to feed them. Electric vehicles, you know, well, they have a large footprint as well. It gets into all of that, but electric vehicles also work on very large footprints compared to an internal combustion engine. Back in the 1930s, lamenting the horses' decline and economic effects on farmers, the Horse Association of America extrapolated that from 1900, horse-human ratio was that 54 million acres of U.S. farmland had been spared by the automobile. 54 million acres of U.S. farmland had been spared by the automobile. In other words, we didn't have to plant all of that to feed the horses. And so now that has been reclaimed by the forest. As I pointed out before with you know coal, gas, and oil, reforesting a good part of America because we don't have to cut all that down for fuel to keep warm or to cook or whatever. But the automobile as well, we don't have to feed all of these animals that we had because that was our main source of transportation for the longest time. Now, yeah, we still have hay fields. I see you and I see them you know, cutting hay all the time. But still, the number of hay fields greatly reduced because we don't nearly have as many horses as we used to. So we're not trying to feed them. Coming up on 8.30, some local business we have to take care of. That'll be news time. Update on your weather forecast right after that. Then you and I get back into it. A nice long segment of open phones. Wake up, Wyoming. Forty. No chickens were harmed in the making of this show. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods. Dialed 888-97-WOODS to join the conversation. Thirty-six at time. It's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right, triple eight ninety-seven was the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety-seven. W O O D S. Or do what so many other people are doing. Send me a note by using the Wake Up Wyoming app. Easy to download at your app store. Just type in Wake Up Wyoming. Touch chat as you as it comes up. You'll see the chat option there in the middle. And just send me a note. Okay. 
election fraud does happen. That's our friend Jude called from Mill earlier this hour, and from Mill she was telling us that well about the whole the January sixth insurrection, things like this, which has a lot to do with those folks who believe in a lot of election fraud that happened on the last presidential election. So, does it happen? Yes. I remember saying during the last presidential election, before it and after it, fraud happens. If we're having an election, fraud happens. Now, it rarely is enough fraud to actually influence the outcome, but it does happen. We have to watch out for it and do all we can to make sure it doesn't happen where we are, right? So here's a story for you. For the election fraud deniers out there, election fraud cases break out in three Democrat states. New voting is ordered in one. Bridgeport Superior Court Judge William Clark overturned the results of a Democrat mayoral primary and ordered new elections in connection to allegations of absentee ballot and abuse. There are at least three election-related criminal cases nationwide. I had no idea there were. Okay, well, a new primary election has been ordered in, by a Connecticut state court amid fraud, while Democrats in Massachusetts and New Jersey are also accused or charged with election fraud. This brings the total election-related criminal cases across the country to at least three. Democrats in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Jersey are facing various allegations as two instances are related to this year's election, while two more in regard to prior election. On Wednesday, the Bridgeport Superior Court Judge William Clark overturned the results of a Democrat mayoral primary and ordered a new election in connection with allegations of absentee ballots. Does that sound familiar? With absentee ballot. One of the reasons here in Wyoming, our Secretary of State Chuck Gray is, has been, even before he was Secretary of State, when he was in the Wyoming House of Representatives, he fought to get rid of ballot drop boxes, things like that. On Wednesday, what was he? Uh, the judge made a decision after a video was posted online that appeared to show a supporter of an incumbent Democrat mayor. Stuffing stacks of paper into a ballot box. The general election of the mayor was sent for November 7th. A new primary date has to be set. The judge told lawyers they had 10 days to work with the city and state election officials to determine potential date for the new election. Get busy putting it together after that. Judge Clark determined that the allegations of possible malfeasance were sufficient to toss out the results of the primary which the incumbent won by 251 votes out of 8,173 cast. Now, here's the thing. When, when I read something like this and I think of Wyoming, when we're talking a much bigger state, you can have, some, of course, somebody, again, it's an election. Somebody's going to try something because there's people like that out there. It's going to happen. But it, when there's a much bigger population, the odds of getting enough people together to make a difference through fraud, very difficult to do. But when you're dealing with smaller states in population, a bit easier to do. Now, stuffing ballot boxes would have to be the way to do it here in Wyoming. I remember talking a while back, just a few years ago on the air, when election fraud was being brought up. 
And some people wanted some changes to Wyoming laws. And at the time, I'm thinking, well, one of the most common ways to commit fraud, and I've seen this happen in, in bigger states, the kind of state, let's say a major city, where a person can go vote and then walk up the road, just walk a few blocks away, and there's another precinct right there, and people are voting again. And it has been shown that people will vote multiple times by going from one precinct to the next within walking distance of each other and just pretending to be someone else, you know, and voting again, right? That's happened many times. I've seen it happen through uh, different local news stories, you know, and people have been caught doing it. When you get to Wyoming, it's a little more difficult because a lot of you folks live in areas where there's one place to go vote, and that's it for a long distance. There's only one place for everybody to go vote. And pretty much everybody knows everybody. That's the advantage of living in a state the size of Wyoming. There are some bigger communities, you know, like your Rawlins and your Rock Springs and your Cody, Laramie, Cheyenne, Casper, Gillette, okay, Sheridan, you know, Buffalo, places like that that are a bit bigger. But still, though, it's you can't just go vote and walk up the street and do it again in Wyoming. We're so spread out. So you'd have to do it a different way. So people stuffing ballot drop boxes would be the way to do it here in Wyoming. I mean, unless you want to go ahead and vote somewhere and then drive two hours to go vote somewhere else. The only way really to get it done is to stuff the drop box. But then you have to worry about not overstuffing it because in some cases, the population in some Wyoming communities is so small It'd be very easy to overstuff it. How do we have more votes than people in town? You know, but could it be done? It would be a lot easier to do it by drop boxes, which has been the concern so far. All right, back to the story. Election officials for the city of Springfield say they witnessed voters being brought to the city hall for early voting. That at least some expected to be given cash if they voted Democrat. Hmm. Video footage also released of a man associated with a campaign alleged handling, handing over cash over the weekend. City officials claim sworn affidavits of money, cash, visible on the video. You can see people getting cash after they voted. So uh, there's more to this. U.S. attorney in Massachusetts told Western Massachusetts News they could not confirm or deny an investigation was taking place. Charges have been filed, though. Unlike the Massachusetts election fraud investigations that have been confirmed by New Jersey, uh, announced charges against two different Democrats in that case. So according to the Attorney General's office, Pearson County, uh, there are some people facing additional charges for the 2022 election fraud as well. Now, when it comes to dead people voting, I've always maintained that the Democrat Party is actually doing a public service. Hear me out. We fought a revolution in this country in part over taxation without representation. Now, do in this country, do we tax dead people? Yes, we do. Just because you're dead doesn't mean they're not done taxing you. We tax dead people. Yet, how is a dead person going to vote? They should be allowed to. We tax them. 
That's why Democrats feel it's their civic duty to go into graveyards and write down names on tombstones and then go vote for that person to make sure that they're accurately represented. Now, you're wondering, <clears throat> then why do all of these uh, people vote Democrat? Well, it makes total sense. Uh, my uncle was a Republican, yet after he died, he's voting Democrat. How do you explain that? It makes total sense. You see, brain-dead zombies vote Democrat. See? Makes perfect sense. 845, wake up my own. When you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. Eight forty-eight's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino's waiting by. Okay, so, Frank, sometimes when you're in a thrift store looking around at stuff, you might want to be careful because what you're looking at could be something bad. Um, I'll give you an example. Okay. Florida, where I'm from, uh, Sanibel Island, Captive Island, or off the coast of Fort Myers, Florida. So this is in Fort Myers, and this is a thrift store. Okay. And somebody's going through all sorts of thrifty items. Go, wow, this is neat stuff. This guy happens to be an anthropologist. And he's looking at a skull for sale and goes, um, <clears throat> that's real. It's a real skull with historical yes. value? I Well, I don't know. He did what he had to do. Immediately he called police and said... Oh, I thought he was going to buy it. Yeah, there's a human... See, you're not allowed to sell a real human skull in a store like that. No, I don't think no, so. That's a, Amazon, that, yeah. I think you can get no, them. Maybe, maybe on Amazon you can get yeah. away with that. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, let's go up to Gillette. Human skull found in Gillette storage. Well, somebody locked him in there? Authorities have determined that a human skull found in an abandoned storage unit in Gillette on Wednesday is that of a human male. Skull was turned over to police by the owner of the storage unit who's cleaning it. You know, some people abandon their storage units. Right, yeah. Yeah. So uh, as he's cleaning the place out, he's looking at all the, you know, people have knickknacks, you know. I have at my house, there's a couple, for Halloween, there's a couple of little skulls there, right? But they're plastic. plastic. Yes. They're for Halloween decorations. So this human skull in the Gillette storage, was it like a knickknack or uh, was he locked in the thing? I, no, or? it was just the skull. It looked like it was among the knickknacks. Oh, okay. Patty wax. Give your dog a bone. Yeah. But there, no, you're not allowed to have a real human skull. Just so you know, folks, you can buy a fake one. They're made out of porcelain and plastics mm -hmm. and all sorts of other things, and they look real, but you're not allowed to have it. Now, on that note, a friend of mine in Cheyenne wants to rebuild his back deck. It's showing its age. And he wants to take a one of those plastic skulls you can get for Halloween skeletons yeah. and bury it under the deck. So in about 100 years when someone's replacing that deck... They find a surprise. How about that? 
College football over the weekend, the Wyoming Cowboys retained the bronze boot with a 24-15 victory over Colorado State in the Border War on Friday in Laramie. Cowboys led 10-7 at halftime thanks to a TD catch from Gunnar Gentry, a guy who missed two years due to injuries. And the folks had put 14 points on the board in the third quarter thanks to uh, Amir Asante with an 11-yard TD catch and a six-yard run for a touchdown from Sam Scott. Cowboys defense really did a nice job. CSU had just 54 yards rushing and the Rams were 0-10 on third down and and the Cowboys turned in a couple of interceptions, so they are bowl eligible at 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in Mountain West Conference play, and have won the bronze boot in seven of the last eight years. The Cowboys have an interesting game this Friday on the road at UNLV. High school football, the state championships will be Friday and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium at Laramie. The semifinals were held over the weekend. In 4A, Cheyenne East survived Natrona 17-10. Sheridan bombarded Thunder Basin 62-7. So Easton Sheridan again in the 4A final on Saturday. It'll be at 4 p.m. In 3A, defending champion Star Valley beat Buffalo 30-19. And Cody drilled Evanston 52-14. Star Valley plays Cody again for the state championship. This will be on Friday at 3 p.m. In 2A, Torrington went on the road, knocked off Mountain View 25-19. Defending champion Bighorn beat Lyman 34-14. Bighorn and Torrington play for the 2A title on Friday at noon. In 1A six-man, Big Piney went on the road and beat Lingo Fort Laramie 51-27, while Wind River edged Southeast 32-30. So it's Big Piney and Wind River for all the marbles on Saturday at 1 p.m. And in 1A six-man, defending champion Little Snake River defeated Dubois 47-22. Burlington edged encampment in a wild game 80-73. So LSR and Burlington again for the state title in six-man. That'll be a 10 a.m. start on Saturday in, in Laramie. High school volleyball season concluded on Saturday with the state championship matches. Laramie won their third state title in the last four years. They outlasted Thunder Basin in five thrilling sets. Mountain View repeated as the 3A champion with a four-set win over Powell. Bighorn won their second title in the last three years in 2A with a four-set win over Burns. And in 1A, Cokeville won their 26th championship overall with a three-sets-to-none win over Little Snake River. High school girls swimming season wrapped up over the weekend in Gillette with the state championships. And 4A, Kelly Walsh won the team title for the first time ever. Chase Shirkolk won the 50 free and the 100 free. And Landers, Larry's Maggie Turpin, the state champion this year in diving. Green River won the 3A championship. Tavia Arnell and junior Tanith Smith won two events each for the Wolves. Rachel Johnson of Evanston was the 3A diving champion for this season. So, um... Now that the UW has the bronze boot again. Well, they've, they've had it. Yeah, I know, but for the next year they have it. Mm-hmm. Where does it stay? Right in, there in the right in the main trophy case in the football oh, office. So it's got to be in the trophy case here. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just kind of wondered. I mean, you give it a place of honor, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, yeah, but it'd be there in the trophy case. Where do I find that trophy case? It's going to be in the football offices. Football either. office. A- just ask. Where's yeah, the boot just, at? Just oh, ask. it's right show over me there. The boot. I want to see the boot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you you want to see the boot. That's all I got to ask. Yeah, that's it. They'll show me. Okay, thank Thank you, Frank. Coming up on local business update on the weather forecast. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. Six to time. Wake up, my Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It is a Monday. Hope you're not feeling too groggy. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Where you can change the subject. Micah's jumping in from Cheyenne. Morning, Micah. Good morning. Um, yesterday, uh, the three hundred seven Coalition Group um, had Reed Radner, who is running for U.S. Senate 
against Don Verasso. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, uh, do me a favor, Micah. Do me a favor. Your phone line is breaking up really bad. Can you call Miss Mary yeah. right back to see if we can get a better line? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't want her to continue on like that. Uh, yeah, the gentleman is running, Reed Rasner is running against Senator John Brasso. So we'll see what he has to say. At some point, he'll come on this program. A lot of times, these folks don't come on until a bit later. And I do limit the number of times a candidate can come on this program. They all get a chance. But when we get into the, we're not far away from that, folks. It's going to be here before you know it. Once we get into that election cycle, just so you know, the rules that I have, right? Everybody's allowed on. Okay. I do, uh, Miss Mary will put out word to the candidates. You're welcome to come on, of course. But then it's up to them to follow up on that. All right, you there, Micah? I I hope so. Oh, much Am I better. Yeah. Better? Yeah, a whole lot better. Okay. Anyway, so you got a chance to meet the gentleman who's running against Senator Barrasso. Got a chance to do that. Yeah. My only complaint was that he kept saying that, you know, for us to remember that he is not a politician. And I couldn't help think, well, gee, if you're standing up there and you're running for office, you I think now. right now you've become a politician. <laughs> you, you weren't, <laughs> but well, other than that, you know, he's yeah. obviously a newbie, sure. um, wet behind the ears and everything, as yeah. being a politician goes. Yeah. But otherwise, if you really listen to the content of what he was saying, he's got his priorities in order. Mm-hmm. He knows what he does not know yet, but right. is willing to learn and grow into the position. And I just found him to be a really nice, fresh breath of air. Okay. And I would really hope that, and I think I'll even send some notes to him, to John Barrasso to be a gentleman and realize He's had some good years in office, mm-hmm. and more and more now in the past couple elections, more and more people are getting disappointed in him. Okay. And, you know, if it were me, I think I would rather go out still having some dignity and mm-hmm. people still kind of liking me <laughs> um, instead of just pushing it to the, to right. the grave. So I'm, I'm hoping that he will just step aside right. and that um, Reeve will come in because for for what he was standing for and what he's hoping to see, um, I, I would find it hard for anybody to be able to dispute what he's okay. got in his mind. So let me play devil. I think, he's a, I think he's a solid guy. Okay, let me play devil's advocate with you then. So okay. Senator Barrasso, every single election, wins in a massive landslide, so much so that he doesn't even bother to debate his opponents because he wins by so much. So from Senator Barrasso's point of view, is he unpopular? I don't know, but I would like to think as as I have matured and my friends have matured, yeah. you know, along with that comes some wisdom. Okay. And, you know, if if you look at the other guy, you know, it's like, well, you know, he should retire by now or yeah. something. But then when it becomes a personal thing, it's like, oh, but I'm not that other guy. I still have X, sure. Y, Z yeah, in XYZ. my favor. Okay. Well, maybe in that person's mind, they do. But to the general public, they really don't. Okay. And to yeah. be honest, yeah. it's not like a majority of Wyomingites go out to, to hear these politicians. 
That's it's true. Really they don't. It's really kind yeah, of a yeah. few people who go and then spread the word. Okay. Well, one more so, devil's advocate thing. So here we have Senator Barrasso has been there for a while. You see him on television all the time. Sure. He's worked yeah. really hard in g gaining power in the Senate to the point now that he's got some pretty good influence there, and it took him a lot of years to build that. So, right. devil's advocate now, do you take all of that hard work that he's done and replace it with somebody who is wet behind the ears politically and has no idea what to do once he gets there? Absolutely. Okay. Because they're not painted yet. Right. The lobbyists haven't done their brainwashing. Okay. The other politicians have not done their, you know, wheelings and dealings and stuff that, that they do amongst themselves and everything. And there okay. are other politicians who are, you know, sitting up there on the hill who have been there. You know, you don't you don't always have to elect somebody that already has such a big name that, you know, they can go in and basically take Barrasso's um, status mm -hmm. in, in a situation like that. Sometimes you just need new blood. There are other people who can carry the torch until the, the younger ones or the newer ones come in, learn the ropes, establish um, connections. So, yeah, that, that doesn't bother me at all. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, at some point, Mr. Reed Rasner will be on this program, I'm sure. You know, so we'll uh, yeah, get a chance to nice. find out. And, yeah. you know, I'm hoping that, and, and he mentioned, too, that he'll probably be back through Cheyenne a couple more times before yeah. the election comes. Oh, and yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to watch that because I think it's really enjoyable to watch how politicians do grow. Because yeah. even as he's circulating around, he's gaining a lot more knowledge about what the people expect and what he's capable of doing and stuff. And certainly he will be a much more polished presenter. It does so. take a while to build that. It really does. I don't care what someone's background is. It does take, you know, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. It looks like he should actually be on Fox News as one of their anchors. He just has that kind yeah, of right. a face and haircut for that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, right. I thought I'd just throw that out there. And I'm encouraging people when, when these chances do come, and I don't care which side of the field it is or even independence or whatever, for anybody who is running for a candidate, we owe it to ourselves to go and listen to these people. All right. Thank you, Michael. Before we Appreciate make our it. own decisions. All okay. Right. Thank Have you. a good day. So what I was saying before Michael called back was <clears throat> every one of these candidates, uh, here's what I do, just so you know my process here. As we get closer to election time, Miss Mary sends a notice out to every candidate running for whatever all across Wyoming. And, hey, uh, you have a, ch a chance to get on the program. And then we allow them on once during the uh, campaign cycle for the primary each to come on and make their case. After the primary, whoever's left after the mayhem and bloodbath, whoever's left standing, they can come on again and make their case. That's to make it fair to everybody so they have their chance. We don't go running around pursuing people, though. We let every candidate know you can come on this program and come and make your case, and the show's heard statewide. So we're on multiple stations here. So you have your opportunity. Take advantage of this. And yet there's a, always a few candidates that don't, which I always kind of scratch my head wondering, well, why? I'm going to let you talk. I'm just going to ask questions and let you make your case. That's it.
I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm not going to slap somebody around on here. Just come on and make your case. But some people just don't do it. Now, I'm looking at Mr. Reed Rasner for United States Senate. Let me see. He's got his issues, fundraisers, and I was just got uh, you of course you can click right away, you can click on his page to uh donate to him immediately. Fourth generation Wyomingite. Good. Uh from Natrona County. Uh Natrona County High School degree, yada yada yada. Okay, and he went on to college and okay, talks about who he is. All right, so I'd like to a little bit more know more about him personally and what he's done with his life, what his background is. All of that's up there on his website as well. So at some point, he'll get a chance to come. In fact, I'm looking at his face going, I know this guy. Miss Mary, we know this guy, don't we? I just, Reed Rasner, I'm looking at his face going, haven't we spoken with him before? We talked to so many people, I kind of get a little confused after a while. But I'm thinking, no, no, we have talked to him before on other issues. But now he wants to run for the Senate. I'm sure he's been in here. So, okay, anyway, that will happen at some point. This election cycle, we're going to be into this before you know it. And your airwaves are going to be filled, filled with campaign ads to the point that you're just going to want to slap somebody. 916, wake up Wyoming. Download the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Listen anywhere and chat live with Glenn during the show on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Nine twenty-one's the time. Patrick is in Evansville. Morning, Patrick. Good morning, Glenn. How are you doing today? Good, sir. What you got? Uh, well, I was calling. Uh, I wanted to touch upon a couple of things that uh, Judy had talked about in the last hour. Um, there are no canals running through Gaza. Okay. Gaza has nothing to offer the world except for a safe haven for terrorists. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, even um, that's not safe anymore because Israel's uh, going yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, um, and as far as Turkey has a land bridge with Europe, so what the small amount of oil Turkey is able to produce has easy access into Europe by way of tra- uh, train, rail, or pipeline. I think what she was probably referring to was um, the Suez crisis back in 1956 when Britain, France, and Israel attacked Egypt over Egypt's threats to close the Suez Canal. Okay. Um, the the uh, I guess the point I'm trying to get to is that Israel uh, the current Israeli crisis has nothing to do with oil or corporate greed. Right. This yeah. is a civilizational war. Right. It is Islam against Judaism and. Christianity, basically Islam against any non-Islamic faith. Right. In fact, and that's when, what we're looking. When this whole thing started, that. as soon as Hamas attacked, one of the first things I remember saying to people was, "You know, 
we're not actually witnessing anything new. This has been going on for no. thousands of years. Islam has been in a self-declared war against Western civilization since Islam was founded in the 7th century. Yeah. They make no secret of that. Right. You know, um, anyway, that's all that I had to say. Okay. Um, it, nothing to do with oil, greed, anything. Right. It's a conflict of faith. Okay. Thank you, Patrick. Sure. I appreciate it. 888 woods the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. You can go ahead and do what he just did, interrupt me, talk about something else. And I do, me, I remember saying that on the air, but also to other people I know in person. As soon as Hamas launched that massive attack and the world acted shocked, I thought, well, they really shouldn't be. Just go ahead and check your history books. What we're witnessing here, and for those people who are currently screaming about, well, we need an independent Palestine, and et cetera, et cetera, on and on it goes. You've heard all the arguments. This has been going on for thousands of years. It's the same conflict. Just you're watching the modern version of the same conflict that's been going on for thousands of years. So the real answer is, but we're not going to get it, in our, especially in our lifetime. The real answer to this is nobody has to do this. It, this is just stupid. There's absolutely no reason that these folks just can't live together on the same land. Of course they can. But there's people who are... I was watching a video this weekend. I've seen videos like this before. But where Hamas is teaching their kids from a very young age, when you see a Jew, kill the Jew. Here's how. Here's how you shoot him. Here's how you stab him. Here's how you make bombs. These are kids being taught this. When that happens, when that kind of indoctrination happens, from the earliest possible age, from when these kids can walk, you know what they're going to grow up to be. There's absolutely no reason for that. They can just stop. But if something's been going on like this for thousands of years, it's very difficult to stop, isn't it? All right. That's what we're dealing with now. There's nothing that you're hearing on the news that's new regarding this war. It's thousands of years old. All right. Moving on to something else. And again, you can interrupt me. Triple eight ninety seven woods 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. I had mentioned earlier, here's the headline. Human skull found in Gillette storage unit, identified as male. And right away I went, oh, you can't do that. This is a... A big argument, which I can't imagine why we're having this discussion, but if an archaeologist opens up a tomb, and let's say the tomb is 2,000 years old, and he looks at the skeleton laying there, he will immediately say, well, that was female, and, or that's a guy, that's a male, and... How do they know that just by looking at well, because of the skeletal structure. There's certain things about the way a female skeletal structure is uh, created and formed compared to men. One of them is look at the clavicle. Women can pass babies, men can't. That's one reason. But here's the story. Gillette authorities have determined that the human skull found in an abandoned storage unit in Gillette on Wednesday is male. The skull was turned over to the police by the new owner of the storage unit who cleaned it out October 25th. A review by a forensic pathologist determined that the skull is that of a Caucasian male between uh, somewhere between 20, uh, well, I'm sorry, between 30 and 50. 
How do they know that? A pathologist looks at the skull and says, Caucasian, male, about this age. And they do know this. It's not a question. So at this point, there's still no indication the skull is related to any criminal activity. Some people just get a hold of a skull through a marketplace and they didn't know that they had something illegal. It is not illegal in the United States to sell and possess human bones, according to the Bone Room, an online retailer that sells both human and animal bones. The exception to this rules are protected archaeological resources that fall under the protection of Native American graves and so on in the Repatriation Act. Now, that part I didn't know. What I'd said to Frank earlier is wrong. You are allowed to own human bones. There might be a few questions, but you're allowed to own human bones. But here again, they turn the skull over. It's just the skull. There's nothing else. What can you tell us about this? Well, male, Caucasian, about this age. See, a lot can be determined. We can even, through reconstruction, take a look at what the person looked like using computers and songs. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Got something to say? Call 888-97-WOODS or check with Glenn on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app from K2 Radio. Thirty-six at time. It's Wake Up Wyoming on the skull story that I just had. Let me see. My sister in Lake Wells, Florida, we're discussing me and my skull or more being on display after I die for future generations to be freaked out by. So you could your skull to one of those, your niece to display. Yes, my nieces could display my skull as they wish, as long as it freaks out the next generation. That's all I ask. Make sure that every time they walk into the room, they go, ooh, stop to put that away. That's all I ask. Chet and Yoder, maybe the one that is Skull and Gillette, they use for drinking wine. I hope so. Mike and Casper, find out how old a skull is. Cut it in half and count the rings. I, I, if you say so. Bob is in Casper. Morning, Bob. Good morning. Yes, sir. Hey, you know, you were talking about oil and gas and stuff and all this green stuff. You know, uh, these electric cars and stuff are going to need that, that oil and gas to drive on because the, the payment's made out of oil. Their tires are made out of oil. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be running around dirt roads with no, just rims uh, if yeah. they deal with all that oil and stuff. Yeah. There, there's absolutely no way to make an electric car without coal and without petroleum. Yeah. You have to use coal and petroleum to make an electric car. And yet they want yeah. to keep it all in the ground. It's not possible. Yeah, and then they we got all that uh, we could live off of for years, and then they went and buy it from foreign countries. And we, yeah. And we sent money all over to them, and we're in debt, and I, I just can't see how that's going to uh, Yeah. It doesn't. Out, yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to do it the way we're currently doing it. None. No. No. All right. But I... I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, we talked about it, but nobody said anything about the highways made, 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 sure. made out of oil yeah. products. 
Yeah, you got to have no highways to drive. I have no tires to put on the cars. Right. Yeah, you're, you got a point. You have to use a lot of petroleum to make our highway system there too. Yeah, there's so many things that would go away. I don't think they're aware of, including medicines at hospitals and a lot of medical equipment. Your, and your so you're clothes, asking, you're condemning people to death. Yeah, your clothes and plastics and everything is made out of oil products. You know. Sure. Yeah. There's no way to keep it in the ground. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, no, he's got some good points here. There was a time that we did live as human beings without petroleum products and without coal and natural gas. We lived at the latest into our 40s and then died. But, hey, if you want to go back to that, it's fine by me. All right, 888 woods is the phone number, 888 Let me see. Uh, oh, here's a good story. might put a smile on your face. There's a young lady, a student... She's suing Chicago schools because she wouldn't participate. Here's what the story is. Maya Green, Jr., when she was transferred to a school from a charter school to a public school where she played volleyball and basketball, had no idea that when she transferred to Chicago public schools, she would end up suing the school because, well, they, she says they're violating her First Amendment rights. She told the, a news reporter that students were made to participate in what they called quiet time, but it was really being instructed in transcendental meditation, including, which included initiation rites, a darkened classroom, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, look up transcendental meditation. It's a type of a religion, really, almost like a cult thing. She was recently awarded $75,000 in damages and legal fees and judgment. Now, I wonder, does that mean that they'll stop? Do it? Well, let's hope so. Green said students were expected to meditate during two class periods every day as part of quiet time. In 2016, Smithsonian Magazine shows an article of the David Flint Foundation wanted to spread transcendental meditation to urban schools. Quiet time program in urban schools that have a high rate of behavioral challenges. So now, I do understand the idea that somebody sees there's a lot of challenges in Chicago inner city schools with young people. And somebody's trying to find a way to help them out. Well, we could try this meditation thing. Okay. But transcendental meditation? Again, go look it up. You're dealing on something that's cult-like. And she said, I don't want to participate in that. Well, you have to, they said. No, I don't have to participate in that. Now, if they're trying to find some kind of program to help young people and more for that, but watch what programs you select. Because this one, well, obviously it didn't work. They awarded her $75,000, damages, legal fees, stuff like that. I bet most of that money goes to the lawyers. She, yeah, well, 75000 for a lawsuit. You know, it probably all went to the lawyers. But she's trying to make a point here. So let's see, does the school district learn anything from this and try something different? I'm going to wager and say probably not. But then again, your public school systems, I understand they see the problem, especially in the Chicago inner city school, and they want to try something. I'm all for trying something, but let's try something that actually works, not this. So, okay. Story of a young lady who said, no, I'm not doing that. And she's only a high schooler. And she stood up to them, stood her ground, and won. Sometimes 
there's not victory in a lawsuit like that, but just the fact that somebody stood up and refused to move and stand their ground on an issue is enough. Whether they win or lose in court is not necessarily always the issue. Just the fact that I don't care what happens, I'm not budging on this, is the issue. The more often I see it, the happier I get. 9.42 is the time. Wake up Wyoming. Take Glenn anywhere with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Forty-eight's the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off to the icebox. We go, Frank Gambino. Waiting by. Frank, one quick correction about a story that I had earlier. You are allowed to own a skeleton in America. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just, if you should happen to stumble across one... You own it. Well, the, you Yeah, but they would like to know, so you got that legit, right? You didn't, like, skin somebody. That's or, about or, it. Other than that, you're allowed to own a skeleton. That's nice to know, Glenn. Okay. I mean, I never really thought about owning one. Yeah. I never thought about renting one. Right. So my sister now is wanting to know, so if that's okay, what about my skull? And I said, as long as future generations, her kids in other words, display me in a way that's really creeping everybody out, like the next generation, I'm for it. Put, you know, make make like the eyes have like blue sure. lights or something. Whatever or just you to, want it, decorate yeah. it up, whatever. But I it's just gotta want, be up all year. I just want people to walk into the room and go, ooh, take it down. That's all I want. Say, that's, hey, that's, that's her. She's just, she's just it. Yeah. She's yeah, visiting. Just sitting there. It's just your Uncle Glenn. Don't worry yeah. about it. Okay, now, next story. So a picture, it is uh, 1954. Okay. And we are at the Virginian Hotel in Medicine Bow, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And there's a young lady who both waits tables and takes care of the bar. Yeah. Kind of back and forth between the two. And someone orders a drink that is kind of unusual, so he has to describe to her how to make it because she hadn't heard of this before. And she's young. By the way, she's only like 14 years old, so by today's standards, she shouldn't be waiting bar. But then, <clears> they, but then you could. Yeah, 1954. So anyway, she takes care of him anyway. And she's very excited to help him out because this guy is a young and up-and-coming music artist known as Elvis Presley. So Elvis Presley yeah. was in Medicine Bow, Wyoming. Yeah, walked, Elvis Presley walks into a bar. Elvis Presley walks yes. into a bar in Medicine Bow, Wyoming, yes. orders a drink. Yeah. He found, oh, wait, wait, uh, Harry in Saratoga says, skull found in storage. I think they found Jimmy Hoffa, possibly. I'm going with Jimmy Hoffa. Anyway, so yeah, it's this... Um, This is exciting to her because Elvis, of course, is touring at that time, traveling cross-country by road. Okay. It's the beginning of his career. He doesn't have a—in fact, by that time, the Learjet had not been invented. So he had to drive to his next gig. So this is before he was really big. Yes, yeah, 1950. He had just started his career. Young Elvis Presley, starting to get known, but has a long way to go. And the Learjet has not been invented, so road trips meant road trips. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, and at the time, I think 54, I don't think we had I-80 at the time. I think it was Lincoln Highway, right? That's a good question. While you're doing sports, I'll go ahead and look that up, because I think... He probably stopped there because he kind of had to. Or he's lost. Either way. College football from over the weekend. The Wyoming Cowboys have retained the bronze boot as they beat CSU and Laramie on Friday night, 24-15. The Cowboys had a 10-7 lead at the halftime intermission thanks to a TD catch from Gunnar Gentry. This is a guy who missed two years due to injuries. 
And the Cowboys put 14 points on the board in the third quarter. 11-yard TD catch from Mirasante and a six-yard run for a score by Sam Scott. Cowboys defense held CSU to just 54 yards rushing. That is outstanding. And the Rams were 0 of 10 on third down. That's, that's even better. Plus, UW had a couple of interceptions, so they're both eligible at 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in Mountain West play. And they have the, the bronze boot. Uh, they've won that seven of the last eight years. Cowboys will have an interesting game on Friday night on the road at UNLV. High school football, the state championship games will be Friday. Friday and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie. The semifinals were held over the weekend. In 4A, Cheyenne East survived Natrona 17-10. Sheridan bombarded Thunder Basin 62-7. So East and Sheridan again in the 4A final. It'll be Saturday at 4 p.m. In 3A, defending champion Star Valley, a winner over Buffalo 30-19. And Cody Joel Evanston 52-14. Star Valley will play Cody again for the state title. This will be on Friday at 3 p.m. In 2A, Torrance went on the road. A long road trip to get knocked off Mountain View 25-19. And defending champion Bighorn at home defeated Lyman 34-14. So Bighorn and Torrington playing for the 2A title on Friday at noon in Larry. And won a 9-man, Big Piney with a long road trip. And they beat Lingleford Larrabee on the road 51-27. While Wind River at Southeast 32-30. Big Piney and Wind River for all the marbles on Saturday at 1 p.m. Then it won a 6-man defending champion Little Snake River defeated Dubois 47-22. And Burlington edged in Camden in a wild game 80-73. So LSR and Burlington will play for the state title again. Again, this will be at 10 a.m. on Saturday in Laramie. High school volleyball season concluded on Saturday in Casper with the state championship matches. Laramie won their third title in the last four years as they outlasted Thunder Basin in five sets. It was a really entertaining match. Mountain View repeated as the 3A champions with a four-set win over Powell. Bighorn won their second title in three years in 2A, beating Burns in four sets. And in 1A, Cokeville won their 26th championship overall with a three-sets-and-done win over Little Snake River. The girls' high school swimming season wrapped up over the weekend in Gillette with the state championship. In 4A, Kelly Walsh won the team title for the first time ever. Chase Shurkolk won the 50-meter freestyle and the 100-meter freestyle. Jackson was second in the team standings, Campbell County third. Laramie's Maggie Turpin is the state champion this year in diving. Uh, Green River won the 3A championship for the team-wise. TV Arnell and junior Tan Smith won two events each for the Wolves. Rachel Johnson of Evanston was the 3A diving champion for the season. Okay, a couple of things here. So the... Last section of Lincoln Highway in Wyoming, I-80, was opened in 1970. So 1954, Elvis had no choice but to go through Medicine Bow, mm-hmm. which he decided to stop and wet his pallet on the way yeah. through. Also, Jim Cunningham of Cunningham Electric, who uh, just sent me this. So, uh, Border Wars. The teams first met in the 1800s. They played 77 consecutive seasons. The oldest matchup for both Colorado and Wyoming State football teams. Oldest rivalry west of the Mississippi. Yes, local conference meet, and it talks about when they meet. And then there's, oh, here's a picture of the boot, and it's been all polished. Yeah. Wow, that sucker can get really shiny when you want it. No, 